0: So our five-minute break is officially over, and we are gonna we are gonna kick things up with Pastor Benjamin and Pastor Sonny. Can you join us too? Do we get two for one, or are you off today? Oh,
1: cool. Me too. I don't care. Heck yeah,
0: double double the power. So, um, yeah, if you guys could come up and grab a seat here, we're just gonna have a casual chat. I set expectations with people that this is what it's gonna be like if. If I was hanging out with the TUU in Starbucks, and we were just kind of <laughs> connecting, and we were talking about life and stuff, so because um, of the different medium, we decided to play with different, uh, different things, so Fireside Chat is one of those things that we're going to play with. So do you guys want to just introduce yourselves for, for those of you who don't know you?
2: Sure.
1: Sunny, his wife.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm Benjamin, uh, Benjamin Robinson, my wife Sunny Robinson, and we're the pastors of Living Hope Christian Center in Emeryville and San Francisco.
0: Amen. And they have been our pastors and our lifesavers by the Lord's hand for a lot of years now. And so I'm really excited to spend some time with you guys in this setting. Um, I think that uh, a lot of people in the world and a lot of people in the church are just craving answers right now and some form of stability. And so I wanted to start there. Uh, I'd love to just hear your perspective on kind of like, what are you observing Right now is going on both spiritually and naturally, and then also what um, what has been your response personally to things like what is your journey as you have have kind of like you know as this has evolved? Maybe we can start there. you
1: want to start? You want me to start? I could start. I think um, I'll leave. You know the spiritual. Well, I'll have him share more. but I'll just talk about my personal. Uh, walk and my personal experience in my spirit i 've been so excited. Mm. Should I look at you or the camera i've been <laughs> <It don't matter. laughs> i've been so excited like where i 've been staying up like many nights, not out of anxiety or fear, but out of excitement. Mm. And sometimes I'm like, Benjamin, is it okay that I'm this excited? That even though I do, I do have concerns for people, you know, especially the elderlies, you know, and when I read about what's happening in Italy, like I, I am concerned. Yeah. But in the spirit, I've been so excited that this disruption is good for us mm-hmm. a few nights ago I've been up till 4 am because I've been I keep hearing God saying Sonny living hope my sons and daughters you're gonna come out of this more blessed mm-hmm. you're gonna come out of this more blessed so in my spirit I was like I believe God I believe yeah. but how I believe you yes. but I don't know how yeah. I can't see it with my eyes. I can't see how we're going to be more blessed, but I believe, yeah. I believe. And, and um, like even this Sunday, yes. you know, like we had over uh, 199 different sites, you know, joining in, mm. you know, and already over thousand views on Living Hope's live stream of worship. We don't have thousand members <laughs> at Living Hope. You know, but to see that Jesus is praised in every household of our members, that Jesus is praised and his name is acknowledged, that every household has become a sanctuary where the presence of God is, you know what I mean? Like, that is so exciting for me. And I just sense God is on the move to save souls. God is on the move to release his spirit over his church. So in my heart, I'm excited. So good. In my spirit, my eyes are on God, and I am excited. Yeah.
2: That's awesome. I think uh, for me, it's like uh, what I've been seeing is that there's this American thing going on where we're so used to being insulated from world crises mm. that we don't know how to act when it visits our front door. And so we respond either by being just overly nonchalant about it or overly ca- catastrophic, Yeah. you know? And so the catastrophizers are out there buying up every square of toilet paper available in the world, right? Yeah. Like, are you expecting a diarrhea pandemic?
0: Does anybody know why it's toilet paper, by the way? Like, I, I can't find the answer to that. I yeah. mean,
2: what in the world? And yeah. then, and then um, you know, our... our uh, Asian friends are buying all the rice. <laughs> <laughs> Black people are buying up all the chicken. I, I mean, you know, it's like, I mean, what, what are you expecting? Like, yeah. wh- why? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and then the rest are going, you know, this is not a big deal. Yeah. And making up statistics and, and, and bad math, like, you know, you've only got a one in 66 million chance of get, I mean, like some people are just so nonchalant about it. Uh, I, and people are putting on Facebook all over the place, like, if any church shuts down their services, I'm not following that church. That's, that pastor's not a real man of God. Um, I think we need to face the fact that this is a serious thing yeah. Yeah. without losing our minds yeah. and buying up all the toilet paper. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, yes, it's serious. Mm-hmm. And um, all of your statistics mean nothing when we know, well, number one, we don't know how many people actually have it. Yeah. Number two, we actually don't know yet how quickly it can be spread. Number three, we don't have any real statistics about it's unless we know how many people have it, we can't actually tell what the mortality rate is. Yep. right yeah. So um, as yeah. we're getting more information, we need to take it seriously mm-hmm. and understand that it's a serious thing. and I believe that that like we, we're doing, your church and our, our our churches are doing, is we are cooperating with our local government's uh, efforts to curb and contain the virus. We need to do this. But the upside of it is that in order for there to be a real move of the Spirit of God, God always capitalizes on disruption. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit never breaks out from within the status quo. Mm. Mm. There must be a disruption. And this is, it's kind of like, part of it is, you know, on one hand, Abraham, without weakening in his faith, Faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, mm-hmm. seeing that he was 100 years old, and that Sarah's body and, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. But he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God because he believed that God was able to do what he, he had promised. So he faced the fact, my body's about dead. Sarah's womb is dead. There's no chance in the yeah. natural. He faced the fact, but then he was strengthened in his faith and he had glory to God. And so that's what we need to do. We need to face the fact mm-hmm. that this is a serious thing and we got to deal with it without weakening in our faith. Because even though the fact is we need to have these live stream services instead of a live service on Sunday morning in a big auditorium, more people are going to be reached for the glory of God. This yeah. is an opportunity for disruption, and God always breaks out from the midst of disruption, and that's what's happening right now. So, good. so yeah. it's, it's an opportunity so good. for God to be glorified. So good. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I... I um... As I've interacted with this thing, uh, I'll admit that I was one of those that's kind of like, this is stupid. Like, you know, and in and, and your newsletter, you're like, you know, anybody who responds in that is in spiritual pride. And, <laughs>
2: did I say that? Yeah, you did say that.
0: <laughs> it, it hit me. And, and the thing that, that was actually kind of cool about it in a way is every time I would say it, Suki would kind of like, you know, tilt her head at me and, and kind of like, you know, this isn't, this isn't the right way to look at it. But I would feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit just kind of like prompting my heart like, mm-hmm. hey, you're not looking at this properly. Mm-hmm. You know. And, and as I prayed about it, um, there's that passage uh, in Daniel. I think it's chapter 3. Um, maybe it's not chapter 3. But it's like when Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego go into the fire. And uh, I've been thinking and praying on this passage a lot of late. But it's not that the fire didn't actually carry the power to harm. Yeah. Like there was real natural power to harm them. It was that they had a bigger confidence in the supernatural power of God. So that's the thing that kept them at peace, Mm -hmm. but not saying, oh, the fire, the fire doesn't do anything. Like I can walk through fire, you know, like
2: exactly. And if you look at exactly what they said, they said, our God will deliver us from the fiery furnace. That's right. But even if he doesn't know that we will not bow down to your idol. So in other words, they had confidence But confidence is not the same thing as certainty. And the fact of the matter is there are seasons in which God separates his church so that we do not have to partake of the suffering of the world. And there are seasons in which he does not make a distinction and we have to suffer right along with the world. Mm. We cannot determine which is which. Mm. That's not for us to determine. That's for God to determine. Mm. There are times when it rains and there's a drought and we all experience the drought the way everyone else does. Then there's a time when he puts us in Goshen yeah. and it's darkness on the rest yeah. of the land, but there's light in Goshen. Mm-hmm. We don't get to determine which is which. And yeah. so for us to just nonchalantly say, we're believers, we're going to be protected from this virus. We don't know that. It could be, but our confidence is the confidence of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abed. Our, my God will protect me from this virus. But even if he doesn't,
0: I'm not going to bow down to the yeah. altars of the yeah. Lord, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. There was one other thing that I was kind of um, stewing on that I thought we could kind of launch off of. And, and I think, Sonny, you, um, you kind of went in this direction a little bit. But I feel like there's, um, there's oftentimes stages of faith that happen for people. When something like this happens, it's almost like the initial response is either nonchalant or this is really scary and you end up in a place of fear. And I feel like the like one of the, the first places you can go is either like stay in that fear, so this is like stage one of kind of like the journey of faith, so you just hang out there and you 're listening to the news and you 're filling yourself with all of this stuff that's just like the spirit of fear is is rampant right now, yeah. and you know that the, the the enemy is going to try to take advantage of this thing and just spark people's fear into, into craziness, and that 's what we 're seeing with toilet paper, right. Um, and and I think that say, that some people go like God, what are you doing in this? In the rhetorical fashion, mm. like wait a second, like God, what are you doing? And and I think that um, uh, there's like a, a protection that we're inviting in that side of things. It shifts us into a personal protection. Yeah. And I've been camping out in in Psalm kind of 91 and and just declaring that over my family. And I realized that that kind of stage two of this journey for me was okay, I feel good about me and my family. And it was almost like a camping out in the goodness of the Lord for me personally. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really sweet, great place to be. Yeah. It's just not the destination. Yeah. There's a place beyond that where that whole, like, God, what are you doing rhetorical thing turns into a true question, which is, like, I actually feel stable. I actually feel secure. I feel good mm-hmm. that, that I'm... I'm, I'm secure in my father's arms, in my father's hands, as in my family. And then there's an offensive thing mm-hmm. yeah. that looks to the Lord, and it's, it, and it's like you can, you can turn from, like, okay, am I good? Do I have enough toilet paper? Do I have enough rice? Whatever it is, right? Am I okay? Yeah. And then you go, no, I am okay. And then you shift outward, and then you start to ask God, wait, what really are you doing? Yeah. And I loved how you said it because it wasn't like it, there was such so hope in it. Yeah. You know, it was like, God, what are you doing? Because I know you're moving and you're doing something amazing and great right now. I just want to see what that is and join you in your work. And, and I think for some of us, it takes longer. And, you know, for you, you're like, you know, right there. But I think it's like, that's the journey that we need to go on right now. And I just say for people that are like going through that journey right now, don't feel condemnation about where you are in that journey, but understand that that's the journey that you go on. It's kind of like, wait, what am I in? And then it's like, wait, I'm good in Christ. And then that I'm good in Christ turns offensive to partner with the Holy Spirit of God for what he's doing on the earth. Yeah. And I think that's the shift that we, we all need to make. So good. So good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago, and in the beginning, we were talking about the statistics, what's happening in Italy, and how there's not enough tests in America. And when we were just talking about the news, you could sense, like, almost like this, atmosphere of darkness, you know, just like just cover, you know, but when we shifted our conversation into what God is saying and that God is on the move, right, and that you could actually invite your friends to your house to, you know, join church online, your friends that would never come to church, yeah, but great. they'll come to your house your living room and like they could actually encounter God and when we shifted our conversation to God and 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 that God we're not afraid because our eyes are on you and we're excited for what you are about to do when we started to you know, like, shift our conversation, the whole atmosphere shifted. Mm. The person I was talking to, like, she was really down, and her husband was, you know, down, and, and like, I could see her, like, get her spirit just arise with faith and joy, yeah. and then she's like, I'll be right back. I have to share this with my husband, and she went to the other room and shared with her husband, and it's just, it just changed the atmosphere of, our emotions, where we gaze our eyes on, yeah. you know, and now she's like, I'm ready. I'm okay now, yeah. you know, and I think it's important that, yeah, we need to watch the news and we need to be updated, but let's not end there, right? right? Let's, let's shift our conversation to God yeah. and that he reigns so and that long. he is good. That's yeah.
0: it. Yeah. That,
2: that is it. I think the, the, um, the parallels with the story of Elijah Uh, especially in chapters 17 and 18 of 1 Kings, to me are so striking. Because uh, this morning I was talking on uh, James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, when he says, uh, first he says in verse 13, Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. It's interesting that he has to say that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, are you suffering? I got a great idea. How about pray? pray? (laughs) You know what I mean? And then he said, Is any among you uh, joyful? Let him sing psalms. Translation, what do you do when you're suffering? You pray. You go to the Lord in your suffering. What do you do when you're having a good time? You worship. You go to the Lord in your good time. Like, whether you're having a good time, whether you're having a bad time, the the appropriate response is to pray. And then he he talks about prayer for healing. If you're sick, call the elders of the church. But then in verse 17 he says, Elijah was a man of like nature as ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain. And I got to that part. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. He prayed for a drought. Mm. Like, that's what he was asking God for. He wasn't asking God for, like, a new car or a raise on his job, you know, or a baby or, like, or a husband or a wife or all the stuff that we ask God for. He's asking God for a drought. Like, why is he asking God for a drought? Because he realized that a revival was needed. Mm. A revival was necessary. Mm. And that what the only way to bring about that revival was disruption. Mm. So he's literally, literally praying, God, bring about a disruption. Yeah. Because if, if you think about it, coronavirus has the attention of the entire world right now. Yeah. Do you think God's trying to get our attention? Now, I'm not saying God sent the coronavirus. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying in every disruption, especially a global disruption, yeah. that, that captures the attention of the entire world, you can't tell me God is not on the scene ready to speak to that uh-huh. thing. But what he has to say, all we're wanting him to hear is, I'm going to end the coronavirus. Like that, but, but actually, what more? <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so watch this. In 1 Kings 17, Elijah, this is when he pronounces the, the drought. He says, there will be neither rain nor dew except at my word for these next few years. James says, he prays earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain for a space of three years and six months. During that, six month, during that three year and six month period, Elijah has to deal with the drought like everybody else. But as soon as he gives the word from the Lord, there's not going to be any more rain or dew. He gives the word not knowing where his provision is going to come from, knowing that it would make him a pariah in Israel, that nobody would be able to house him. Prophets, they ate in those days because they would go into a town, they prophesy, somebody would put them up, feed them, take care of them. Once you prophesy against the monarchy, you become a pariah. Anyone who houses you becomes an enemy of the monarchy. Nobody can house him. Nobody can feed him. He just prophesied against his own provision. He just lost his salary. But he's willing to do it out of obedience to God. He's willing to do it because he's more hungry for revival than he is personal gain. Mm -hmm. So he prays for the drought. The drought comes, and the Spirit of God speaks to him and says, Go to the Kareth Ravine and drink from the brook Cherith. There's one brook that still has water. And God says, I've got a brook waiting for you. Mm -hmm. So now the prophet's by himself. He's drinking from the brook. The ravens are bringing him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. He's at that stage you talked about. I'm good. Yeah. Me and my family are good. Looking around, we're good. I'm good. He's like, man, the ravens are bringing me Philly cheesesteak sandwiches in the morning, <laughs> Philly cheesesteak sandwiches in the evening, and I'm drinking from this brook. Everybody else is starving, but I got my steak sandwiches and my, I'm drinking from this brook. I'm good. I'm just, he's, he's just kicking back. He's got his lawn chair. You know, he's out there just having a good time. And it says all of a sudden, the brook dried up because there was no more rain in the land. The supernatural provision of the Lord just dried up. And that's, that's where our faith is tested. Mm. Because all of the sudden, what touched the rest of the world touches me. Mm. All of this, everybody else is participating in the drought. And now that I'm participating in the drought... All of a sudden, I'm going. God, where are you? Do you do you love me? Did you abandon me? Am I under your curse? Because some, I'm not used to being subject to what everybody. I'm not used to going through what everybody else has to go through. I think the love of God means I get shielded from everything that everybody else doesn't get shielded from, right? But the Lord speaks to him and says, "Go to Zarephath. I've commanded a widow there to provide for you." When his brook dried up, God was moving him from enjoying personal, isolated provision to being a part of God's provision for somebody else's life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to Zarephath. He finds the widow. She's picking up sticks. And, you know, the whole thing, he says, Make, bring me. It's, it's crazy thing is when he gets there, he sees this poor, broke-down widow. And he's like, Lord, that can't be the one. The Lord's like, that's the one. <laughs> he's like, Lord, look at this widow. She's completely destitute. God says, ask her for food. God, I can't ask her for food. Look at this woman. I can't provide for you or her unless you ask her for food. So Elijah goes, excuse me, um, could you just bring me a little cup of water? That's all he could bring himself to ask her for. So she goes, all right. She turns to walk away and the Lord speaks to him and says, you know, I told you to ask her for food. Mm. And so he stops her and goes, and please, along with the water, just a little morsel of bread. That's all he could bring himself. to. He feels like he's robbing her. And she gets mad and says, As surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread, only a little bit of oil and a little bit of meal. And now all of a sudden the word of the Lord stirs up in him. And he says, Go do as you've said. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. The oil will not run out and the meal will not run out until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. But first, you bring me that biscuit first. She has to step out in faith and cast her bread upon the waters. But Elijah realizes he thought he was going there because God had commanded someone to provide for him. No, Elijah was going there because God had commanded him to provide for her. Mm -hmm. And because the prophet of God was in her home, the meal did not run dry. The oil did not run dry until the day the Lord provided rain on the earth. And so that shift from only worried about me and my own and my own stuff to actually being a part of what God is doing in the world. It happens at the very place one of my brooks dries up. And at the very place the Lord allows me to taste of the suffering that everyone else is going through in some way, shape, or form. And so, um, I mean, you know, I I say this because what's been burning in my heart, what I want really badly, and I don't know what this would even look like. I'm scared of this at the same time, but I, I want it. I want to lay hands on someone with coronavirus. Like, I want to just see God heal somebody with coronavirus. I want, I mean... What better way to demonstrate the power that is in the name of Jesus? Like when everybody else is running. Do you know what, I mean, historically what pandemics have done for the church? The Antonine pandemic of 155 AD when 12,000 people a day were dying in the city of Rome and even all the physicians fled the city of Rome. Everybody fled Rome except the Christians who were unafraid of the plague and went out in the street and were caring for the people who were dying And even some of the Christians lost their lives along with those dying in the streets. And the church grew in leaps and bounds after that plague because what people remembered was that the Christians did not run from our suffering, but they were willing to suffer with us. It happened again in the Cyprian plague of 250 or 265 it happened again and again and again throughout history it happened in the bubonic plague where everyone left but the Christians and the Christians instead of running from the plague were running toward the plague mm. because they said this is our opportunity to demonstrate the love and power of Jesus Christ mm. now how powerful is that so right yeah. and so yes exactly what you're saying is god wants to push our faith beyond the barriers of my own provision It's just for me. And when God lifts up our eyes to see that, we begin to see that this disruption is an opportunity to stoke the flames of revival in the earth, that God has something to say and that God has something to do, Mm -hmm. that more souls are going to be saved because of this, that more lives are going to be changed because of this, that the name of Jesus is going to be lifted high because of this. And because of that, even though we are deeply concerned about the seriousness of this, Mm -hmm. we're excited and we're expectant. That God is going to do something, and He's already doing something yeah. awesome in the earth because of it. It's really
0: good. Yeah, it's really good. So uh, we're going to continue on, but we also have a, a chat functionality. So if you have a question that you want to ask, we got some people here that can uh, navigate the chat, and uh, we'll do our best to to insert um, a couple of questions. Um, while those come in, the the qu- the next question I had when I was thinking. Uh, about the stories and getting fired up at our retreat. We were talking about the Moravians wow. and we were talking about the, how the Moravians were so filled with passion for God and the presence of God through prayer and worship, continuous prayer and worship that they were going, they were being sent out all over the world. And when they were sent out, oftentimes they'd bring their belongings in a coffin so that wow. their body could be shipped back, uh, back to, to, um, wow. to the place where they're, they're doing all the burials right there on the grounds. Um, And they were saying, one of the things that we read about was that there was was sometimes a one-for-one exchange, a life for a Christian for a single convert at one point. Wow. And they were just feeling it. And we were talking about this as a church as to, like, how do we get to a place where we're living our lives not trying to be in a protective state, but we're, like, on the offensive. This was at our church right before all this stuff, I mean, at our retreat right before all this stuff kicks up. Mm. So I don't think the, the timing's coincidental. But I do have a question about, like, how do you take something like that or what you guys just said and take it to your day-to-day. Hmm. Like what does that look like as I yeah. now work on video conference in my job? You know, how do, what does it look like when I go to the store and there's nothing on the shelves and like yeah. do church life? And what does that look like? So what does that look like? What, what are some tips that you'd have for people in terms of navigating this thing and going after what you're saying but in the practical stuff?
1: <laughs> um. You know, we are part, we are in this world. And so we're gonna wash our hands often. (laughs) I make my daughter wash her hands like every time she comes in you know every time like she goes out even for something every time she plays with the dog so we're going we're going to sanitize we're going to clean we're going to you know we're going to honor the 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 rules and regulations and we're we're going to do our best you know uh we're going to keep our 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 family members as safe as we can but i think for me and personally um, We started this 40 days of prayer at Living Hope, and like every day, you know, we have a specific biblical prayer that Benjamin wrote, uh, 40 different kinds of prayer from the Bible, and so the whole church is just praying that specific prayer every day, and so uh, just waking up in the morning, just breathing the truth, the word of God, you know, and just, you know, just slowing down with God, you know? Breathing in, the Lord is my shepherd. Breathing out, I have everything I need, you know? So I start with breathing prayer, right? And I, and then I go into that daily prayer uh, journal. And throughout the day, I just keep the Lord just right there, like, like near me. Yep. You know, God says, I am here. I am very near you. And I'm going to be very conscious about being... Uh, being aware of his awareness. So those two things yep. are what That's I'm cool. trying to yeah. live with, yeah.
0: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I I, th- I think in in just full agreement with that. The answer for me is nothing changes in in this sense. Are you suffering? Pray. Are you doing well? Worship. Meaning I, I, we were talking about the Moravians this morning as well in our, in, in this Sunday's uh, message, and I was thinking just as you were talking I was thinking about the story of the two Moravians who felt called of the Lord to uh, evangelize a particular um, place in uh, I believe it was in, um, on the Ivory coast in Africa, and they found at a certain point that the only way that they could get there was if they gave themselves as slaves because it was a slave area, with, and they wanted to reach all the slaves. They felt called of the Lord to share the gospel with the slaves, and they, nobody would take them there. They said, there, the, there's only one way you're going there if you become slaves. So they looked at each other Came and said, on. great, we're slaves. How do, where do we sign up to be slaves? And they signed themselves over as slaves. And as the boat was pulling off, they, one of them cried out to his loved ones as they were leaving, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Come on. Like they literally, it was, see, this is, this is what it was about. Now, some people might look at that and say, wow, what dedication to evangelism? No, it was dedication to Jesus. They heard Jesus say, go there. And so at whatever cost, they went there. And so what it's really about every day is waking up, just surrendering my life to Jesus, just getting all my life. Jesus, I'm here. I worship you. And I want to be obedient to whatever yeah. you want today. Mm-hmm. And then out of that intimacy with the Lord, let the Lord direct me to the lost. Kind of like Elijah. He sat by the brook when the Lord told him to sit by the brook. And he went to Zarephath when the Lord told him to go to Zarephath. Yeah. He went to Ahab when the Lord told him to go to Ahab. He went to Mount Carmel when the Lord told him to go to Mount Carmel. The, really, the strategy is worship the Lord, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then yeah. do what he tells you to do.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. so good. The, uh, the thing that I've been thinking about related to that, because I've been, you know, asking myself the same question, uh, my day-to-day probably looks a lot like uh, yours out, you know, like a lot of people listening, which is you go into the corporate world, you know, you have a series of meetings over video conference now. It used to be uh, in the office. And, and like, how, how does this look real in that environment? Yeah. And the thing that I've been um, really thinking about a lot these days is, you know, that time in the morning where you're inviting God to use you as an instrument in his hand. Mm. And then here's the most important part you then walk through your day expecting that he answers that prayer.
1: Wow, it's
0: good. It's so subtle, but it's so different, mm-hmm. right? Th- then everything that you start to interact with in your day, you know, somebody comes to you crying at work and you're like, Oh, God, this is so you good. sending this person. This yeah. isn't just some so random good. thing that's happening. Right. This is you doing this. Yeah. Or something not good happens at work, and you go, Okay, God, where are you in this? Because yeah. I've invited yeah. you to be involved in everything that goes on here. But I think that, like, that anticipation that God will take you up on wanting to be an instrument in his hand in this time, he will answer that. Yeah. So he will definitely answer that. Come but on. you have to be looking for it because he'll open doors and we'll walk right by them if yeah. we're not careful. Yeah. And so I think I would combine kind of like this prayerful meditation and like anchoring in God yeah. with then an expectation as you walk forth from there mm. that he's going to open doors for you, that you then speak his word and, and minister to somebody and love them and et cetera. So good.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So good. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I was thinking about uh, the, the Isaiah. I wish I could remember the, the, the um, address but he says surely the lord has given me an instructed tongue that i might know the word that sustains the weary another translation says surely the lord has given me the tongue of the learned that i might that i might speak a word in due season to him who is weary and then he says he awakens me morning by morning awakens my ear to listen as one being instructed there was a season in my life where i prayed that 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 prayer every day but i prayed it as a prayer lord give me an instructed tongue today that i might know the word that sustains the weary yeah that I might speak a word in due season to him who is weary. Awaken my ear to listen as one being instructed. And that's where we begin to discover Jesus, the teacher, hmm. the rabbi, where he begins to teach us how to walk. Like that was the discipleship. That was discipleship. The disciples walked with him. Yep. Like wherever he went. Through they normal walk. every day,
0: right? It's like going to the market. Exactly. exactly. Like yes. yeah.
2: that's, exactly. that's the definition of discipleship. Yeah. When Jesus said go into all the world, if you look at it grammatically, it says, go into all the world, and as you go, make disciples of all nations.
0: Yeah. So good. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, oftentimes we, we kind of, as a church staff, we have this debate as to how much of this do we centralize, you know, like have people that go out on the streets or do the, the food bank thing, and then how much do we just encourage people of like, no, you're going to the market.
1: Yeah. Bring
0: Jesus with you to the market. You yeah. know, you're going to work. Bring Jesus with you to work. And yeah. I, think, I think there's room for both. Like right. both are extremely valuable, yeah. but I think the, the number of hours in a day that we're just kind of doing normal day life, and if we had a missional attitude, right. it would change the way we walk every day.
2: Exactly, and one of the great problems in the church today is that the church is overly centralized, yes, as you exactly. said, yes. overly centralized to the extent that people delegate their Christian lives to the church. Yep. So instead of being a Christian, I participate in the Christian activities of the church, It's actually the church that is being a Christian for me. I just have to go and, and, you know what I mean? I don't study the Bible. I go to the Bible study. Wow. I don't pray, I go to the prayer meeting. Wow. I don't worship, I go to the worship service. Wow. And I think if I go to a worship service wow. and go to a Bible study and go to a prayer meeting, that's the extent of my Christian life. There's nothing that I do by myself. When I'm by myself, I'm in the flesh the whole time. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? And what happens when there's a disruption, when wow. there's, no, there's no worship service, there's no Bible study, there's no prayer meeting, what do you got? You just got you and Jesus, yes. and is there anything there? It's kind of like the church becomes like the kid and then the kid goes off to college, and there's no marriage. You know what I mean? Like husband and wife don't interact with one another, except around the kid. Where we Christians, we don't act, we don't interact with God except around the church. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so these disruptions give us an opportunity to to discover how Christian are you actually? Yeah. Like, are are you a Christian yourself? And and we were we were looking at uh, in Revelation chapter one when John's on the island island of Patmos, completely isolated. Yeah. No local church there. He's by himself. And what did he say? I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. What's the Lord's day? That's Sunday. When he says I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, what he means is I got up Sunday morning and I didn't care that there wasn't a local church there. I put on my Sunday best. (laughs) I took my shower and shaved. I grabbed my Bible and I went to church by myself. myself. And I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And revelation always comes to those who find themselves in the spirit on the Lord's day. Mm. Even if you're by yourself. Yep. And that's what God wants in this moment and in this time. Yeah. Is is a self-perpetuated, spiritually disciplined, living relationship with Jesus Christ for every believer.
0: Yeah. So good. Yeah. It's really good. Mm. Amen. All right. Well, we got one uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here pretty soon and I wanna wrap up with prayer. But we did we got get a question. Yeah, we got a question. Do you wanna okay. do you want me to read it or do you want to read it out? You can read it, you have mic. Okay, great. So uh, Bethany, thanks for the question. D'all. Thanks for the Texas y- y'all, by the way. Do y'all have any examples of how to express to unbelievers this duality of trusting God and taking things seriously?
1: Look, I didn't hear the question.
2: Do you have any examples of this duality, of sharing with unbelievers the duality of trusting God while taking things seriously?
0: I'll speak real quick because like, okay. one thing comes to mind. When, when, when they were talking earlier, one thing that came to mind is if you don't take this seriously, mm-hmm. there's no need for trust with God.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah.
0: If the if it's all hogwash, if the coronavirus is just some big like fictitious boogeyman, yeah. you don't need to trust God in that. The same thing's true with sin. Yeah. It's like, hey, if there's no sin in your life, if there's no sin in the world, you don't need a savior? Right. It's like yeah. and and so I I I don't know this doesn't I don't think this feels as paradoxical as maybe it does like uh, on an initial statement. It's like no, this thing is real. There's a bunch of stuff in the world that goes on that is not God's design and God's plan, yeah. but he chooses to insert himself in that and give peace and answer prayer and be protection and be the refuge of those who call upon his name. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's you know, probably not the full answer, but that's immediately where I go with that one. Yeah, I
2: fully agree. I think um, unbelievers expect us not to take things seriously. I mean, because if you're an unbeliever, you don't believe that there's any substance to our faith anyway. You just don't, like, they're just in the clouds. They don't believe anything. They're just, you know, religion is the opiate of the masses. And so when they see us take things seriously while not losing our faith, mm-hmm. it it confuses them. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, I thought you had faith. Because they think faith is just blind. I, I remember I was in an um, Uber. I love, sh- I love taking Ubers because I love sharing the gospel with Uber drivers. <laughs> It's like, and you know, how you can check preferences? Do you want a conversation or not? I always check yes, when you know, when you take an Uber drive, because uh, it backfired on me one time. I got I got in the car with a Muslim guy, and he spent the whole time trying to to win me to Islam. And so, um, but I was talking to this one Uber driver, and um, he was talking about um, he was saying something like. I asked him, um, do you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you go to church? And he goes, no, I don't believe any of that stuff. And I said, how come? He said, well, because it's illogical. And I said, oh, really, why? He said, well, I remember going to Catholic school and I asked the nuns and the priest or somebody, where does God come from? And they said, he's just always there. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. You've got to come from somewhere. So I just realized the whole thing about faith is just wow. illogical. And I said, well, um, actually, I think it's the other way around. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, when you, when you ask evolutionists, like, what caused the earth to come into being? They say the Big Bang. And you say, well, what caused the Big Bang? They say, well, it's just these rocks and stuff. He said, well, where did those rocks come from? They say it was always there. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. I said, but what's more logical, believing in an eternal God or believing in eternal rocks and dirt? And he goes, you know, I never heard it that way before. That kind of makes, <laughs> makes more sense, you know? I said, at the end of the day, you can't get away with eternity, get away from eternity. Something was eternal. So it was either an eternal personal God who created the heavens and the earth or it was eternal rocks and dirt that had no beginning and no end. To me, it just makes more sense to believe in the eternal God. And he goes, huh, I never thought of it that way. And then he said, yeah, another reason why I can't be a Christian is because I just don't believe in blind faith. And I said, yeah, neither do I. I don't, th- I don't think anybody should believe blindly. I think that's just ridiculous. And he goes, what? Aren't you a Christian? I'm like, yeah, but it's not blind faith. I said, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God being like a treasure a man found in the field. And when he found it in his joy, he buried it again and then went and sold all he had and came back and bought that field. I said, The field is the Christian faith. The treasure is Jesus himself. I would never ask you to believe until you've encountered Jesus himself. I would never ask you to believe blindly. I would ask you, I would encourage you to pursue Jesus himself. And if you pursue Jesus himself, I believe you'll find him. And when you find him, you'll find yourself believing, but it's never blind faith. And he goes, you know, if they would have told me these things when I was a boy, Mm -hmm. I might be a Christian today. And I thought, oh, wow. He really believed that we just have this blind faith. Like we have zero evidence for it, experiential intellect. Like there's no foundation for it at all. We just believe it. And because we believe it, we're just oblivious to everything in the world. And when they see us take things seriously while remaining grounded in our faith, it actually redefines and reinterprets their understanding of what it means to be a Christian. That's
0: really good. That's really good. Well, we'll we'll wrap with some prayer in a second. I think that the only last thing that I would say on that one is, um, as an extension of what PB was saying there, is I'd say, you know, don't don't feel like when you're having these conversations with coworkers or people who don't know the Lord that you need to have everything perfectly figured out in the way that you articulate it. Like It doesn't, so it doesn't need to sound like a perfectly well-formed argument. I think uh, even what PB was just saying is that authentic wrestling and letting them see you do that while also still having faith, even that is a testimony is a witness to, to who he is. And so I I find myself oftentimes in my workplace setting having conversations with people to say something that sounds like, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff going on right now that I know is appalling to God. And I find him wanting to be in the midst of all of that to bring remedies. And then it just opens up this like larger conversation as to like, wait, don't you think God is in control? Like if he's in control, then how, you know, how does all this stuff exist? But it's like such a beautiful conversation to have with somebody and I think if, uh, you know, if, if you don't feel comfortable, like, articulating that stuff, number one, I'd say still have it because God shows up and gives answers to stuff that you don't know. That happens all the time. But number two, use it as an example of, like, right now, go and start to wrestle with those things and, like, come up with what you, what you think and talk to your house group leader or talk to me. I'd love to share about, uh, about how I handle those things. But um, you guys good with wrapping up with, with some prayer? Okay, cool. So I thought there'd be... Um, a couple of things. One, I'd love to go after it just for the world. Mm -hmm. You know, like the world needs our prayers right now. And then two, if you could just pray into kind of that hope-filled perspective for the church and like seeing what God's doing in the here and now and and agreeing with what he's doing in the church and any more specifics you have around that. Cool. All right. All right. Let's pray. Let us pray.
1: Mm. I just want to pray Psalm 27 over every... Uh, Ark members, that though the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Father, I pray that your name, The name of Jesus will be lifted up among us. God, in our workplaces, in our homes, God, in our small groups, that the name of Jesus will be lifted up. God, as we run into the name of Jesus where it's safe, where, where we find refuge, God, where we walk in peace, where walk, where we walk in joy. God, let our coworkers and family members and friends see, God, the tangible peace that we walk in and let it, God, l- just, just, just shift their eyes upon you. Spirit of God, that your people will walk by faith and not by sight, Lord. And as we walk by faith, as we walk in our full trust in you, God, we know without a doubt, Lord, you're going to allow us to bring Many, many into the arms of the Father because you are moving mightily behind the scenes. You are moving in the hearts of our co-workers. You are moving in the hearts of our... Uh, unbelieving family members, even now, God, even though they may speak against you, God, you are working, Lord. So as we run into the name of Jesus and as we carry your presence and the peace of Jesus, wherever we go, God, we're making a difference, Lord. And you're going to bless us with, our, with a divine encounter with the divine moment where we get to witness, where we get to bring those lost souls into your arms. You are mighty to save. So, God, come and save our friends, our coworkers, and our family members right now in this season, yes, in and through yes, us, God, yes, in God. Jesus' name.
0: Yes, God. I'm pray, too, if you want to go on to another subject. You know, yeah, we can wrap. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much, Um, God, for us to just be able to get together and talk about the things of you. Lord, I thank you for the words of truth that have gone forth in this time. And God, I just pray over our church, Lord, that that journey from kind of... uh, know initial shock as to what's going on, all the way to this offensive faith where there's this joyful anticipation of what you're doing on the earth, God. I ask by the power of the Spirit that you would cause that to go swiftly, God. God, that as we as we commit ourselves to get our minds set in your word, as we commit ourselves to worship your great name every morning, God, with thanksgiving and praise, God, I pray that you'd give us the mind of Christ through all of these things, and as we interact with people in the, in, the, in the world, that there would be a grounded confidence and peace, grounded in the realities of today and what's going on, not denying them in a trivial fashion, God, but established and full of confidence and peace that people would ask and say, what in the world is going on with those people that they're just operating this thing a different way? And so, God, I pray for many, many open doors of opportunity in this time. God, I pray that many prodigals would come home in this time. God, I pray that you would shake the church out of apathy. God, that you'd shake us out of apathy to not just go to Sunday like a, like a robot and come back and do life like everybody else and rinse and repeat, God, that there'd be a real like grabbing hold of the deep things of God in this time for your church and that you would advance us out of this thing stronger than the way that we entered in. And so we thank you, God, that you're on the move, that none of this catches you by surprise and that you have a great plan for the world through this. And so we, we put our faith in you and thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. So as we wrap up today, um, I wanted to just say, uh, one final thing. One, actually two final things. One, Suki really wanted to be here with us. Um, she really, really, really wanted to be here with us. Uh, her heart is so big for this church, and she just always wants to be right in the midst of what God's doing here. Uh, McKenna ended up coming down with a cold this morning. And, uh, yeah, thanks for that hug earlier. <laughs> that, that hug was nice. Um, and so, you know, as a very real precaution. We're keeping her at home. We're not sending her to school. And I want to just say that, like, the whole thing of equating or, or taking something that says, like, hey, let's have wise precautions and then equating that to faithlessness or saying, like, oh, you're just isolating out of fear. That's not the same thing. The attitude that we're having right now as a church is we're not meeting on Sundays because, like PB was saying earlier, we want to honor the local authorities that say this is the best way to get this thing eradicated in our area and to never have it be an issue. And so for protection of the weakest among us, we may be okay if we get it, right? But that doesn't mean that we're not spreading it to other people. And so I think what we're living right now is love for other people where we're not going to meet so that we don't inadvertently uh, be a part of spreading this thing around. So we're not doing it out of fear. We're not you know, closing up in our in our living rooms for, for fear's sake. We're doing it out of love for people that, that could be harmed by this thing. So we'll continue to meet in this format for the next few weeks, uh, most likely. But stay tuned, especially on our Facebook page, our members page, and through the newsletter. We'll keep, uh, keep you up to date as to how we're gonna continue to meet together. But God bless you. Have a blessed Sunday. And thanks for joining.